This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Well, we are getting down to the final days now. I mean, today's Friday, election is on Monday, so we have to get a weekend of campaigning out of the way before everybody votes and we can finally find out what the results are going to be. It's been an interesting campaign, more for things that haven't happened, like true movement in the polls to have any kind of a breakout winner on this. We're going right down to the wire. And then there's the issues that we have talked about, right? And the issues that we have not talked about. We had a great discussion on that earlier this week about things you wish had come up uh, during this election campaign. But what are those ones as well, top of mind with you, that come to your mind as you're getting ready to vote on Monday? We're going to talk more about this now with the help of our global national reporter, Mike Armstrong, who's been looking into this issue. And he joins us to talk more about it. Mike, thanks for being here. Oh, no sweat. You have been talking a lot about this in recent days, about people who felt like issues, some issues got ignored. Like which issues? Yeah, well, we put out a call and we just asked the you know viewers to, to send us what they thought was being ignored or maybe what has them excited. We called it ignored and excited. And I've got a couple of hundred suggestions from people. Um, I'll tell you, one of the main ones uh, that started pouring in right away, we got... Uh, dozens of emails, actually, and one fax uh, was seniors uh, who said that their issues they, they didn't feel are, are being covered adequately in this uh, campaign. It's interesting that you said one fax, because that kind of tells you as well that they felt very strongly about the seniors' issues. Someone went to a lot of effort to send that in. And yes. by the way, the younger people in our newsroom were shocked to see the fax machine work. A lot of them don't even know what that is. Believe me, I've heard that around here too. So, you know, we heard that as well uh, when we were talking about that this week that, you know, and we know the seniors are the ones who get out and vote and yet they feel like they are not being paid enough attention to. As one woman, we, we actually went out to a, a senior center in Kingston, a really neat one, actually, uh, Kingston, Ontario. It's a um, an old elementary school, and they have activities just running all day long. Uh, I had my butt kicked, by the way, by an 87-year-old uh, ping-pong master, I would say. Uh, <laughs> and we spoke to them, and they said, look, you know, the politicians are ignoring us. That's how they felt, and they do so at their own peril, because there's no group that votes more than seniors. Millennials, the last time around, they sort of did okay uh, as far as turnout. They almost hit 60%. Uh, but seniors went to the ballot box at 80%. So there you go. There's the difference. You don't want to ignore that group. No kidding. Do you get a sense that they are motivated to get out and vote because of all this? Uh, absolutely. I mean, and, and it's funny because with seniors, it's not one issue. It's all sorts of different issues. Um, obviously, they know the healthcare system. They tend to know the healthcare system uh, and, and the problems or the challenges that it's facing and, and the, the difficulties you can have going into it sometimes. Uh, they talked about uh, there were a lot of people on fixed incomes who said, look, uh, what we're making doesn't keep up with inflation. That's a big problem. So you, you really did hear all sorts of different things. And, and they said, look, you know, we, we are an aging population in this this country. Uh, and one woman said, you know, they basically need a sort of Canada-wide approach. Uh, this is a problem that has to be attacked like climate change. Everybody. Do they feel that any party got close to this? No, that didn't really come out. I'll tell you one of the interesting things that I walked away from, from those people with, sort of this impression they left me with, uh, was that they also, they didn't only worry about themselves. I heard over and over from people saying, look, uh, First Nations issues are super important to me as well. Um, there were people who said, you know, homelessness is a huge problem, and, and I had a comfortable bed to sleep in last night. Uh, I had one gentleman who had this 
almost beautiful um, little monologue on the healthcare system. And he said, uh, I love paying my taxes and so that it goes to healthcare. I, I hope I never have to use it. But if I never do, I'm, I'm not going to be banging on my casket saying, give me back my money. I want everybody to be healthy. It was, it was kind of neat. So I did walk away probably hearing le- fewer complaints than I expected to hear. Okay, that's actually very nice. That's very, and <laughs> I guess, Mike, that also shows you where we're at, right, with this election campaign and just kind of the discussion of politics these days in general. Yeah, I, well, hopefully. I mean, it's funny because uh, in talking about these issues with people and, and, and finding that people think they're not being talked about, most people turned around and said, but we're hearing lots of personal attacks and, and that yeah. maybe there's a lot of the bandwidth in this campaign that's being taken up with that instead. What about affordability? Is that an issue that came up a lot? Oh, boy. Uh, super interesting and a, a much bigger problem than I was aware, I would say. Um, one of the emails we got was a gentleman out in Pemberton, B.C., uh, it's a couple hours north of uh, Vancouver, um, which is not necessarily a place you'd expect to have this housing crisis, like a, a real crisis of affordability. Um, but he said that he was living in an old trailer, and that's the only thing he could afford, a family of five, 540 square feet. So we went out and met him and, and talked to him about what he's going through. Um, and it's, it's just a problem from coast to coast that in the 90s, uh, developers basically stopped building rental units. Yeah. Uh, they turned to condos instead and things like that. And so we've watched the population grow. We've watched people get priced out of home ownership, and yet no one's building rental units. Um, so, and then we have other rental units that are taken off the market for things like Airbnb, stuff like that. I saw a statistic that the University of Charlottetown has grown by like a third since 2004, and they've built no residences. So that's another, you know, that's a town yeah. that's struggling with, uh, actually, Charlottetown's one of the worst, uh, hardest hit areas by this affordability crisis. They, they're, they, excuse me, vacancy rate is somewhere uh, below like 0.4%. Like it's incredible. We also, when we were at Kingston with the seniors, that was another issue that came up. And they said, look, Queens keeps growing and, and taking in more students. And there's no more, there aren't more rental units being built. You know, this is, Mike, that's a story that we, has been very, very popular here on the West Coast for all the wrong reasons, obviously. Yeah. I mean, affordability has been hot here for two, three years now. It was a, a huge impact on our last provincial election two years ago. So it's interesting for me to hear from you that this is now right across the country. Do you think that's something politicians overlooked? I think that's probably the case. And I'll tell you, as somebody from another part of the country, I have heard that problem many, many times out your way. Yeah. And so when I, when I started looking into this, I was surprised, as, as you say, that it's so widespread in Canada. And, we're, and all the experts I spoke to say it used to be a big city problem. That is no longer the case. Now it is big cities, medium cities, and small towns. Everyone's suffering with this. Right. Everyone is being squeezed by this. Like to say that Charlottetown is feeling that, I think a lot of people would be surprised, don't you think? I was blown away. Okay, so affordability, definitely top of mind. What about the environment? Did people feel that was being overlooked? You know, uh, that didn't come up as much as you might expect. Oh, which is, a, yeah, uh, the, yeah, that is kind of a funny one. As I scroll through my hundreds of emails, which I put together <laughs> in alphabetical order, 
Um, yeah, it came up a couple of times. I had one person say that whales are an issue that they'd like addressed. I had a couple of people in uh, Manitoba point out that Lake Winnipeg has a problem with algae and stuff like that. So they're concerned about specific uh, issues in their uh, riding. Um, but you know what? It's funny, as you flag that, I- I'm kind of shocked that it didn't come up uh, more often. Yeah, you're right. So it sounds, though, and I've certainly had this impression over the last week, and with your reporting then in, over the last week, have you gotten the sense from people that they are kind of unsatisfied with how this campaign went? I, I would absolutely say that, yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had several people send, send in defense and sort of foreign policy, saying, look, right. uh, we don't know what's going on in the Arctic, uh, you know, Russia and China are making noise up there, and we're not doing enough. And I thought, okay, well, I'll look into that. So I called a couple of experts and said, do you guys find that this is the case? And the, the gentlemen that I spoke to were shocked and appalled at how little uh, coverage or little bandwidth that that, uh, foreign policy and the military have gotten in this campaign. They say they watch the debates. For example, uh, this was an interesting one. Four years ago, we had this aging fleet of fighter jets, and the the F-35 was a huge issue in the campaign. Four years later, we still have the aging fleet of fighter jets, and and no one's talking about its replacement. Um, so how, how does that happen? Why is it such a, uh, a less important issue? Why does it feel like it's being treated as a less important issue? When, in fact, uh, everyone who watches this type of thing argues that the world is a more dangerous place than it was four years ago. Between China and Russia, you know, China's active in, um, uh, well, the South uh, China Sea. You know, they said yeah. they, uh, they put up those islands and they claimed all this land uh, sort of as their territory. Well, they're trying to join the Arctic Council uh, because they say that the North is a global resource. So when they say they have no military intentions, and uh, that's something that makes people somewhat nervous. Russia, what's going on in Ukraine, they're even in this hemis- hemisphere. I mean, the U.S. has told Russia, stay out of Venezuela. They go to Venezuela anyway. Uh, the prime minister of Russia was in uh, Cuba just a couple of weeks ago, uh, sort of renewing military and economic ties. So the world, you know, is more dangerous than four years ago. We're just not talking about it. That is so fascinating. Listen, Mike, thanks so much for sharing all that info with us. Thank you. That's Mike Armstrong, Global National Reporter. The series that he's been working on all this week is called Ignored and Ignited. 